a lot of it was actually me kind of posing the question to myself, like, is this it for me? Um, and if I end up in this job, which is great, I actually really love the job, ironically. Would I be satisfied in a few years from now saying that this is what I did, but I had all these ideas in my mind and was too afraid to, to explore them? Um, and felt as though I think we need more people who are pushing the boundaries, especially women and people of color. Welcome to a special Alan Gray Orbis Foundation podcast, our Gray Matter Conversations. This Intrafluent series is designed to bring you into the hearts and minds of leading voices in our entrepreneurship ecosystem, from investors to education partners to fellows and, of course, the entrepreneurs themselves. Hi, I'm Timothy Maurice Webster, a behavioral psychology author researching human behavioral patterns, and I've partnered with the foundation to bring you insights through digital platforms to help advance our collective goals of understanding how to support, develop, and ensure entrepreneurs make the most positive impact in our communities and country. The following series is inspired by the foundation's pioneering philosophy of Intrafluence, or the idea that the most effective leaders and entrepreneurs develop and harness their internal values and become selfless in their pursuit of influencing the society in a way that's about much more than their personal gain, but about the collective societal good. Before we hear from Tandega Kaba, our Intrafluencer for today, let's hear from the Foundation's Head of Public Affairs and Communications, Nantando Mtetwa about why this Intrafluence series means so much. Hi, Natando. How are you? I'm good, Timothy. How are you? I'm great. We're really excited about this Intrafluence series. Why does it matter so much to you guys as leadership at the foundation? For me as the leaders at the foundation, I'm very excited to bring this Intrafluence series. And the reason that it matters um, to us is that in our journey of nurturing high-impact and responsible entrepreneurs, we really are working towards instilling a movement of entrepreneurs that recognize that their impact is not only limited to their domain and that they have a role to play in really shifting society and making sure that entrepreneurship can be used as a platform to add value to society. We also really want to start seeing a type of entrepreneur that is relentless and persevering in helping to create an inclusive economy. And I think a lot of us would agree with um, the opportunity of entrepreneurs helping to create an inclusive economy in the context of South Africa, where a lot of inequalities exist and certain sectors of society have not had the opportunity to participate in the economy. And lastly, just, you know, really working towards nurturing a type of entrepreneur that have foresight and sheer determination to make this world that is far better than it currently is now. What we like about presenting this conversation in a series format is much like Netflix, people can gray matter and chill. Thank you so much, Natando. Thank you. Now let's chat to Tandega, an Alan Gray fellow, co-founder of Digital Africa Ventured, which serves and represents the underrepresented by bridging the funding and support gap for early stage tech entrepreneurs. She's also the founder of Glam Mobile Grooming Services. Enjoy. Tandega, welcome to the Alan Gray Orbis Foundation podcast. <laughs> Thank you. We are super excited to have a conversation with you. Take us back to 
where you're from and sort of what helped mold you into who you are. Sure. Um, so I was born in Johannesburg. My parents were uh, still students at the time, postgrad students at Wits University. Um, and so we moved around quite a lot while my parents were trying to kind of build their careers, but also support us, um, my, my brother and I as children. So I lived in Durban, Sunnyside, kind of all over the country and with various family members until my parents found their feet and we settled in a city called Centurion, uh, which is where I, I, sp- I did my primary and, and high school years. Um, I then went on to study business science at the University of Cape Town and that was kind of inspired by a, okay, I don't know what I'm going to do with my life decision. This seems broad enough not to restrict me, but... I feel like I'm going to learn very meaningful things in this degree. Um, so, yeah, that's awesome. kind of my background. And the entrepreneur in you, when was the entrepreneur in you born? Sure. Um, so, funny enough, I actually was quite creative growing up. Um, I, um, the reason, the, the, bleh, sorry, the way I got into dancing is because in primary school, there was auditions for the choir and all my friends went and all my friends got in and I didn't get in. <laughs> so after school, everyone would go to choir and I was like, okay, what do I do? And then next door to our, our school, there was a, um, an aftercare center and there was a lady who, who ran the da- dancing classes there. So kind of found myself, um, in the dancing class and that was in grade five and ever since I, I danced all the way up to the end of school and took dancing as a subject so I think um, in being a dancer I was always creative having to kind of create routines and p- tell a story you know through dance um, and I think that filtered into how I thought about business how I thought about solving problems how I identified opportunities so I think the entrepreneurship was the entrepreneurial mindset was indirectly kind of fed into me by what dancing taught me. It's it's interesting because very few people have both the left and right brain well developed. Yeah. Do you think that's helped you in your entrepreneurial journey? Yeah, for sure, definitely. So I think um, the, I think the technical side of things can kind of force people to solve in a very stringent and you know it's been done like this before and this is the only way it's going to be done whereas the creative side makes you ask well why not do it this way that no one else has done it so kind of the coming of those two schools of thoughts helps me sometimes the creative one goes a bit too far (laughs) Um, but yeah it does help having both so you found yourself at Investec working. You were the only person of color on the team and working long hours and you needed a solution for grooming. Yes. Is that how your business was born? Yeah. So I was the only woman of color in my team. Um, and anyone who knows about investment banking knows that it's basically like you sacrifice your life, your soul. The only thing that's missing in the office is a bed and a shower, pretty much. Mm. You eat at work, you live your life at work, you make friends with your colleagues, pretty much. Um, and so I really struggled to find time for my personal grooming. Um, and, and when I was, you know, as I was telling you earlier, every time I say, say to my boss, like, I needed to go do my hair because we'd be working over the weekend. He was like, what's wrong with your hair? And I was like, no, you don't understand. Like, I need to go treat my hair. And he was like, OK, that's fine. So how long are you going to be gone for? 20 minutes? And I was like, <laughs> does this guy know anything about black hair? <laughs> Clearly not. Um, so... I just realized, actually through that, uh, 
problem, I started to meet people in Johannesburg, women who were entrepreneurs, who um, knew busy women and actually serviced them in their homes or outside of traditional hours. Um, but they, the way they built their businesses was really like person by person. They didn't have a platform that um, showcased their work, that gave them access to more client work. So I kind of identified that people like me have a need for the service and people like these you know, freelance beauticians need a platform to showcase the work. And that's how I came up with the idea. But what gave you the confidence to make the leap? Because investment banking and Investec is so solid. Yeah. It's like a dream for so many people. Yeah. Leaving like a dream position to, to this, set on this risky journey of entrepreneurship. How did you begin to make that transition? What gave you the confidence? Sure. So um, I think a lot of it was actually me kind of posing the question to myself like is this it for me um and if i end up in this job which is great i actually really love the job ironically um would i be satisfied in a few years from now saying that this is what i did but i had all these ideas in my mind and was too afraid to to explore them um so i kind of posed that question and that challenge to myself like why not you at the time i was 25 I had no kids, well, still have no kids, um, <laughs> and didn't really have a lot to lose, um, and felt as though I think we need more people who are pushing the boundaries, especially women and people of color. Um, so I kind of posed that challenge to myself. Uh, and in addition to that, I spoke to a lot of people who had kind of been entrepreneurs for a while, just asked them around, like, what's the reality of being an entrepreneur? Like, how did you go from having a salary or having the support of living at home to kind of having to now figure it out. Like how, how do you buy food and how do you pay for rent? How do you apply for a bank loan? I actually realized like employment is a, it plays such a huge role in access to things like a place to stay. Your landlord is like, send me your payroll, your banks. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I don't have that. I used to have one. <laughs> They're like, no, now, like I need it now. And like banks ask you for um, a history of payroll. And if you don't have payroll, it's really hard to do anything. And I, I actually didn't realize that um, before I spoke to the people who kind of helped me transition. So I spoke to a lot of people before kind of taking the leap of faith, my family as well, who are uh, entrepreneurs. So they were like, okay, just leave. Like, it wasn't a big deal to them. And I was like, mm. okay, guys. <laughs> mm. um, but yeah, I think it was uh, kind of dealing with the fear um, and also the fear of being judged by people because, um, you know, like you're saying, you've got this dream job and now you can't do the same things you used to do with high-flying lawyers and investment bankers. <laughs> so also dealing with the fear of judgment, like people are going to be like, you're so stupid. Like, why would you do that? And having to like live with the reality that everyone's watching you, like, are you actually going to succeed? Um, so yeah, a lot of internal work had to be done. And if you were to speak to your teenage self to prepare your teenage self for where you are right now, what advice would you give her? So I think the advice would be not to tie her identity in achievements. Um, and I realized that my kind of steering away from being a creative into being a more corporate person was around how I defined success and my community defined success. So luckily I still enjoyed business, but part of the reason um, that I 
kind of ventured more into a corporate um the corporate industry was because society said you have to study a business degree and you have to qualify as a ca and you know it was kind of like a tick box exercise and the narrative is once you've done all those things then you can go and do whatever you want to do and i just realized that list kept on growing like once you've get seven distinctions okay next thing you have to get into like one of the best universities in south africa then you have to get on a scholarship then you have to graduate then you have to do postgrad ca after ca cfa mba i was like guys my whole life is being dedicated to basically ticking societal boxes and not doing things that i love so i think i just my younger self was that kind of a person i did what i loved i didn't really care about what was deemed to be success at the time but i think over time uh people who have an influence in your life can start to steer your thinking away from what you love and what you feel like you should be doing so i just tell my younger self like carry on and like stick wow. stick to what makes you happy and finally what can the entrepreneurship community do to help support businesses like yours to ensure that if we look back in 2040 you're able to achieve at a more optimal pace. Okay. Can I go back to a question? Sure. I forgot to mention something. Sure. So when you were asking me about um, how I made the leap, something that helped a lot, and it's not a PR campaign, but the Alan Gray Orbs Foundation okay. <laughs> <laughs> played a huge role. I was like, how can I forget that? Like, I didn't just leave work and then, like, start a business. But I what, actually... What would be fundamentally different if you didn't go through the, the program at Alan Gray? That's a big question and I think that's part of my answer to okay, your question around what the ecosystem can do because um, not everyone can you know fall into a support system that actually pays you to build a business so I did some work for the foundation um, and through the program that they run was actually being paid to do to spend half of my time helping the foundation and half of my time building my business oh, wow. which I didn't have to lie about they they literally say you have to manage your time and part of it is building your business um, and they hold you accountable to certain KPIs while you're on this journey of building a business. I had a business coach who was quite intense but helped me build my business um, in six weeks after I'd left my job. I had an operating business. Oh wow! Um, so without that direction, without someone holding me accountable, I think it would have been really difficult. Um, also had access to grant funding, Definitely, like, that's a huge factor in how I got to where I am. Um, can't just say, like, I, it's, sure. all, it's all me. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Is so. there one thing you would like to see them integrate into their system uh, at the foundation or any other incubator similar mm -hmm. that you feel like there's maybe a minor gap? Hmm. Um, so I think the emphasis is still heavily geared towards ideas and what I've realized in building my businesses is uh, my businesses actually is that um, an idea is kind of an idea but not a lot of people help entrepreneurs frame an idea into a business um, and I think the Orbis Foundation is great in creating an environment where you can explore and test and fail and learn but I think there needs to be more of an intention of transitioning that into like how do we build scalable and high impact businesses um yeah cool thank you so much for making time we appreciate Pleasure. it thanks <laughs>
A huge thanks to Tandega and the journey and commitment you have to making a difference and driving Intrafluence. Please share this episode with someone interested in strengthening and supporting our entrepreneurship ecosystem. Until next time.